Okay, and I normally say take your Bibles, but in this series, um, there'll be scriptures up on the screen, and I do want you to use your Bibles, but this, what we're studying about what we believe, there's, necess- there's not necessarily going to be one focal passage to focus on. And so uh, I want to encourage you with that. We'll be looking at some scriptures. Also, I talked about this. We're going through what we believe, and there's a document. It's not about the document. It's called the Baptist Faith and Message. And where our offering plates are at the door and at the back, uh, we don't physically take an offering because of different uh, things with COVID and stuff like that, but you can give your offering at the front and the back. But there are a little pamphlet called the Baptist Faith and Message, and I encourage you to get it, stick it in your Bible, It'll be talking about the things I'll be preaching with uh, over in the next few months. And also on Wednesday nights, it's a good supplement for you. And so anyway, that's where we're going from here. Uh, the title of the sermon, uh, the series is What We Believe. And I think it's more pertinent in these times. And I was talking to a chaplain friend the other day, and he was asking me, what are you uh, uh, doing on Wednesday nights? And And before I was answering him, his church is doing the exact same thing, looking at the things that they believe. Because, guys, now more than anything, the things we believe about God's Word, the things we believe about God, the things we believe about Christ, about family, all those things are being pushed in on. And this is why we started last week with what do we believe about God's Word? Either it is inspired by God without error or it's not. And when we choose to say some of God's Word is God's Word and some is not, then what do we choose to live by and what do we choose to throw out? And I don't have enough wisdom to do that. And I'm going to trust what God has done. So that's why we're doing those things. And that's kind of a good confirmation there. Um, in society, what I, the title of the sermon this week is The Good Father. And if we look at the, we'll look here in a, a moment at the uh, article or a statement of what we believe uh, in our particular body. But this, there's, this is the second part of that article, because the first article talks about what we believe about God, and we'll be talking about that more on Wednesday nights. But we're talking about God the Father, and titled the sermon, I appreciate the songs, the, the Good Father. In society, with the breakdown of the home, God designed the family, and he designed the family before he designed the church. And, the, and guess what? God did design the church. We see the church instituted in the New Testament. It's the church's job to empower the family, to reach the family, and to take the gospel out. God created with a father and a mother the way of the father spiritually leading the home. And again, guys, we're talking about God's ideal. We know what sin does, and we know God's grace is there. But look at what Satan tried to attack first is the family. The definition of a family, the need of a family... And so society really struggles with the concept of father. And depending on, we're all over the map here, and depending also on what country we live in, some societies are matriarchal, which the mother, in a sense, is the head of the family instead of the father. Or in some societies, the father is considered a negative figure. But let's go back to America. If we were to sit around and share everything about ourselves, some of you would have stories of a good father. Some of you would have stories of a bad father. Some of you would have stories of an absent father all over the map. And so you know where you're at on that. But regardless, if you're like me, my dad isn't perfect, but I was blessed with a good father. 
And it made it easier for me to understand God as a good father, because this is why God designed the family, to point to himself. But regardless of where we're at, we've got to go to God's word and see that he is a good father. And he is a father, and we're going to have to understand that. And so we struggle with that, and we can choose to question mark, I don't need God the Father. Or we can choose to know. And your action step today is no God is a good father. No God is a good father. And your points are going to spell out the word good. And again, if you pick up that little pamphlet, and I really encourage you to do it. I encourage you to put it in your Bible. I encourage you to review it. There's extra scriptures there. Again, we're going to be talking about Wednesday night. We're going to put up the statement. And the reason we're putting up the statement, these statements are all based on God's word. And I'm going to go through and give you scripture on why we've come up to, this is our definition of God the Father. So if we can get that up there. Um, I know. God as Father reigns with providential care over his universe. Now, our Wednesday night group has already decided we need to figure out how to say this in a more understandable way. Nobody's dumb here. And this is our official statement. But we're going to get into providence and all those kind of things. And those that you're in Westerns have probably figured that out early. But God as Father reigns with providential care over his universe, his creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of his grace. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. God is Father and truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is fatherly in his attitude towards all men. Let's go back to the, the first statement. God as Father reigns with providential care over his universe, his creatures, and the flow of the stream of human humanity according to the purposes of his grace. I'm focusing on the first part. God as Father reigns with providential care over his universe. All right, God provides. Matthew 6, 26 says this, Consider the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they are? We talked about last week and on Wednesday night about general revelation where we can all see there's a design to creation, there's an intelligence to creation, and then we decide to change this, but we call a special revelation, specific revelation, where we know that that creator is God. And guys, all we have to do is look at the animals and look at the plants and see that God takes care of them and God provides for them. If he cares that much, for all of creation, how much more do you think he cares for you? Because in Genesis 1.27, he says we're created in the image of God. We're created with a soul and a spirit, and we're created in his likeness. Not, and we're created to be over all the rest of creation. And so if he cares for the birds, if he cares for the animals, how much more do you think he's going to provide for you? And again, I want to help you with this. Providence means God provides for his own. God cares for and guides and guides his creation against all opposition. God cares for us. God says in his word he wants all to be saved and none to perish. And we're going to see, as we talked about at Christmas in Genesis, the big problem that happens in Genesis 3 and all the rest of the Bible is about God providing the Savior, Jesus Christ, for us. And so God provides for us. God's involved in all creation, but especially with man. He provides for us naturally. He provides for us uh, uh, food and, and drink and, and a means to do these things. The very breath that we have in our lungs, God, uh, God's provision is seen in how he cares for us and he protects us. He gives us natural laws 
You know, even the fact of gravity, that we're just not flying off everywhere, the fact of uh, atmosphere and breath and all these things we see, he cares. And he doesn't just halfway care, he really cares and he provides for us. Your first fill-in, knowing God is a good father is knowing God is a father who provides. Now, some of you are, be like, well, he hasn't done anything for me. Well, you haven't recognized that it is the God of the Bible. And sometimes we look at luck and we think, well, that just happened right, or I made it happen. Yeah, you keep thinking that. And I'm not trying to make light of it. But every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And we've got to remember in Genesis, he said everything he makes is good. And we know that sin tainted it. And so God is the Father who provides. Next, God is omni. He is all. Look at the second statement here. Go back to the, the article there, the slide that has the statement. Okay, so we know that God as Father reigns with providential care over his universe. So God provides. Then you skip, you skip down to he is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. God, uh, and so what we see here is the word omni means all. And we're going to break this down here that God is all powerful. We see in Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Jeremiah says, O Lord God, you yourself made the heavens and the earth by your great power and with your outstretched hand. Nothing is too difficult for you. And Jeremiah uses an explanation point. Now again, you can say, Pastor's just reading this and you're just saying that, but look at what we talked about last week. If we believe that the word that we're reading today is God's word without error and it is his love letter to us, then the prophet Jeremiah was filled with the Holy Spirit to deliver God's message. And what he's saying here again, you yourself made the heavens and the earth by your great power and with your outstretched arm. Nothing is into impossible for you. I know a lot of you guys like watching those nature shows or the ones about the, the national parks and different things like that. And then you learn about this animal or that animal or how things work in nature and just the intelligence and the detail and the color, just how God is so powerful. And then we get back to Genesis and he spoke it into existence. And as I've mentioned before, scientists have come up with the, the string theory that everything has a sound or harmonics to it. And how they're proving God true over and over again that he spoke it into existence. And that he meant it for us to live in harmony with it. God is all-powerful. God is also all-knowing. Romans 11.33 says this, Oh, the depth of his riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and how untraceable his ways. Let's read that again. The depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and how untraceable his ways. You know, I've had conversations with different people and they're going to want to ask God. I, I try not to say it to them, but I don't know who I was with the other day. It wasn't anybody here. It must have been in Wyoming. Okay. But they were going to ask God some stupid question when they got to heaven, which, you know, I could probably think of some stupid questions, you know. But by that time, I don't think it's going to matter. Okay, but let's let's get to the thing. There's just some things we're not going to know. And we'll know them someday. We'll be known as we're known. And those things that we that we think are important probably won't be important. But the fact that we think that we can never know God in our lifetime and we have the Holy Spirit, those are saved. 
And that's why it doesn't matter how long we've been a Christian. We're still continually learning things about God. But God is all knowing. That should give you a peace that he's creator. He's all he provides for everything for us. And he is all powerful. There's no one above him. And so therefore, if he's all powerful, then obviously, according to Scripture, again, we're putting Scripture with each one of these things in this statement, he's all knowing. I don't know. There's a lot of people that think they've figured God out. Eh, that's not going to happen. We can know who God is. We can walk with God. But that's the exciting thing about the Christian life is we can keep learning about God and knowing him. Those of you that have been married or had friendships for a long time, the older you get, and suddenly it's like, who is this woman? When did you start doing that? I didn't know this about you, and vice versa. That's exciting and scary in the same way, but the thing I'm trying to point to is when you're in a relationship, you keep learning new things about that person, but it's good to know that God is all-knowing. He's omniscient, all-knowing. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. He even knows future decisions that his free, his creatures of free will are going to make. Now, I want us to get into this. You may say, if God knows the decisions we're going to make, are we being programmed? And this, We're talking about foreknowledge. And we're talking about the and free will. And they go together. And I really believe in free will. I'm telling you right now, there are some churches that push that God just, they won't say it this way, but God just programmed us to do this. If that's the case, I'm done. I'm as serious as a heart attack. If God just programmed me to be doing what I'm doing here and, to, and he made my choices, I am done. Because I don't want a God that wants a puppet. I don't want a God that is a robot, but God took a chance, and there's no chance, this is where it blows your mind, is that God gave us each free will, but he knows the choices we're going to make, and he works within that. We keep mentioning Pharaoh, but Pharaoh is a perfect example. If you read in the Old Testament about the children of Israel trying to leave, and God kept hardening Pharaoh's heart, if he was a God that was evil and mean and, and gave us no choice, that would be horrible. I'm going to make this person never say yes to me. No, that's not what that means. That means God knew that Pharaoh would never choose him, and so he used Pharaoh for his good. And so we need to understand that. God has foreknowledge, but he gives us freedom. God knows all. God knows all things. And, and, God, and we see this in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not calamity, to give you a future and hope. This should comfort you to know that God knows all. Because we go through these days, and you've had those days, and sometimes you might say, God, do you know where I'm at? Do you know what's going on? And you know, if you pause for a minute and the scripture we've looked at, the answer would be from God, yes. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not commandly, to give you a future growth. I hope. That's why it's awesome that God is all-knowing. Nobody knows more than God. Psalms 139, verses 1 and 4 says this. And this is a good section of scripture, but Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down and when I stand up, you understand, my, you understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know all about me, Lord. I think you need to write that one down. Psalms 139, one and four, because you can fool me. You can fool other people. You can even fool yourself, but you're not going to fool God. 
and know nothing, you are not going to escape the long arm of the Lord. And what I'm talking about is, yeah, you should have some fear. You should have fear that he talks about in the New Testament. Why do you fear those that can physically intake your body? Once you fear the one that can damn both soul and spirit to hell. That fear of the Lord, the respect of the Lord, that he knows you and knows where you're at should lead you to the Lord. And if you're still fearing like that, I'm talking about a healthy respect. Like a loving father. Those of us that have had the privilege of having a loving father, I knew my father loved me, but I had a healthy respect to him, and especially his belt. <gasps> Pastor said belt. Yeah, we had a thing in our, in our house called the belt, and sometimes it meant my backside. Okay, and guess what? I'm a survivor. Some of you are too. Some of you are wooden spoon survivors. Okay, won't get into that, but here's the deal. Am I estranged from my father? No. I respected him, and I loved him, and... The Bible says if we refuse to discipline our children, we aid in their death. And then Hebrews goes on to say that God disciplines those that he loves. And so what we're saying here is we need to have a healthy fear that God knows. But when we get into that relationship, we're going to get in that moment. Uh, but when we get in that relationship, we should not have that kind of fear. It should be more of a loving respect that he cares for me and I respect his guidance. But God knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. God is all knowing. He's an all-knowing father. And next, God is an all-loving father. First John eight, uh, First John four eight says this: the one who does not love, the one who does not love, does not know God, because God is love. We got a lot of people saying it depends on what love is. Let me help you th with this. God is love. And he, we love because he first loved us. And like the song, I want to know what love is. Well, God is love. God is love, and it's a self-giving love. It's a sacrificial love. It is a costly love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who shall believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God's love is righteous. Psalms 33, 5 says this, God loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the Lord's unfailing love. My saying for this year, which is not just for this year, is, is, is James 4, 17. Therefore, the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. I want to get really clear on this. Right love is God's love. Righteous love is God's love. God didn't take and look at your sin and say, oh, that's okay. Oh, do-over. No. He gave his son to die for what I did and what you did, and you have to choose whether to accept it or not. And if you don't, you cannot say, how can a loving God send me to hell? Because you send yourself to hell. He has done his part. God is love. Again, I'm not mad at anyone here. I'm angry at the devil that lies to people and makes them think they're okay. If everybody is okay... Let's go home. There's other things we can do on a Sunday. But you're here because you know that God loved you enough to send his son to die, to be buried and raised from the dead for your sins. And if you haven't accepted that love, when we have a time of invitation, do it. Because it's the most important thing. God is love. God's love is all around. He's a loving father. God is a wise father. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, and it doesn't come with age. There's some people that are older that can be just as foolish. 
You know, I'm not going to get into any examples. I can think of one in my mind. It's not somebody here in this church, but a friend of mine, okay? But we won't get into that, okay? But knowledge versus wisdom. You can be really young and have wisdom. You can be really old and have wisdom. You can be really young and have knowledge with no wisdom. You can be really old and have knowledge with no wisdom. But wisdom is when you know how to apply knowledge. Who cares about the facts if you don't know how to use it? You're just Cliff Clavin spouting off and nobody's listening to you and who cares? But wisdom is like, this is when I use this. This is how I use this. And we know that God is all wise. This is why we seek his wisdom. This is why we seek the word of God. Again, going back to Romans 11, 33, oh, the depth of his riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. But you go back to the first part of Romans eleven thirty three, the depth of riches and wisdom. All the time as a pastor, hey, what do we do or what do I do about this? And then we try to search God's word and sometimes they don't like it and they go away. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, that's your choice. But guys, look at what Solomon did. Solomon made a lot of bad decisions. He's, I, don't, I just don't think he's a good example. I just, I'm not, I'm not going to go to Solomon in heaven and say I don't like you because we're not going to worry. But here he made the right choice to have wisdom. But you don't have to try everything in the world to realize a lot of stuff's not good for you. And he asked for wisdom. He asked for godly wisdom. And with that godly wisdom, he grew a nation and he grew to be one of the most famous kings in the whole world because of that. So why are we trying to find wisdom from other sources when God is all uh, all wise father? Next point. Knowing God is a good father means knowing omni. God is all. All powerful, all loving, all knowing, and all wise. And God is a good father, but not a good father of all. That's our next step. This is a lie from the pit of hell. I'm going to rip the band-aid off. If you don't know Christ, if you haven't accepted Christ, you are not a child of God. But you are a creation of God. And according to Genesis 1.27, you are made in the image of God. You have a soul and it is eternal. I'm going to get in trouble here. Yes, there's animals in heaven. I know I'm going to get this at the end. But animals do not have a soul. But we are made in the image of God. Redeemable. And so that we're not children of God. We're not all children of God. We're going to get into what makes us a child of God. But that person that you meet out in this big sea of humanity that is not a child of God is not junk. They are a creation of God that God died for, and he's waiting to adopt them if they will accept that. So we see here in this next statement on the principles, God is father and truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. God is father and truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Psalms 103.13 says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has a compassion on those who fear him. We talked about this, this word fear. And that talks about it a lot. We all have fear of things, and there's there's a good fear, and there's a bad fear. Those of you, I'm not trying to pick it either way, but those of you that choose to carry firearms, most of you are very responsible. And guess what? You have a healthy fear of that firearm. You know how to use it. You hopefully know when to use it. 
but you have a healthy fear on how to treat that firearm. And that's what he's talking about here. God is love, but there comes a point where he says, look, this is where everybody's headed without me. To eternal punishment, separation, and torture. Not because God's this meanie, but because of our free will, Adam chose sin. Sin has fallen upon the world. God has provided a way, but we're saying, no, there's another way. No, God does not exist. I don't need you. And a healthy fear says this, I am not God. I cannot save myself. And I need to turn from my sins and receive Christ. So the Lord has compassion on who? Those who fear him. Fear him enough to accept him and realize their sin. A, admit, believe that he died, rose from the, was buried and rose from the dead. And C, call on him and confess him as Savior and Lord. Not everybody's God's children. If you've been believing that, that's not true. Again, if you treat people wrong because they're not Christians, then you're in sin. Because you're, we're going to get into that statement here in a minute. But you're called to help introduce them to your father. And so it's truly, he is truly a father to those who become children through faith in Christ. He adopts us. And he says when we receive Christ, we're adopted. And those of you that understand adoption in society, a child that's adopted has more rights than a child that you have naturally. It's hard to get rid of them, you know. So your natural children, if you're done with them, just, you know, whatever, okay. But, um, but what we're saying here is an adopted child, that's a real legal thing. And it's a harder process to happen, and it's definitely a harder process to get rid of. And so, why don't you understand that, that you're adopted into the family of God? How awesome is that? Through believing what Christ has done. Christ lived a life we couldn't live. He took our punishment upon him. And if he stayed in the grave, there would be no hope. He rose from the dead to give us resurrection and to give us life. And this is what we talk about when we have the invitation and when we invite you to these things. It's the fact of he's saying, come, I want to adopt you. I don't care whether you had a physical good father or if you didn't have a father or a bad one. I am the good father. Come and be a part of our family. And that's why we that song talks about we use the terms brother and sister around here because we're the family of God. And some of you have been blessed with good families and some of you have not been blessed with good families. But... This is why church is family. This is what brings us together is the fact that we've been adopted into the kingdom of God. Your next point, knowing God is a good father means knowing only through Christ can God become our father. This is key, guys, because I think a lot of you would say that's true, but in your actions and, and maybe to a side, you may need to ask the question, if you're saying everybody's the children of God, because society is pushing that, they're not. Because it's not the God of the Bible. And so only through Christ can God become our Father. The last part of the statement says this. And I like this. I like that we put this in what we believe as a church. He is fatherly in his attitude toward all men. The bottom part there. He is fatherly in his attitude toward all men. We are dealing with people, and especially now, the percentages and, and fathers and grandfathers that are here today, I'm thankful for godly mothers that have led when the fathers wouldn't, but the stats are pretty uh, clear. Um, I'll probably get them wrong. If a woman comes to the Lord 
there's a 19% chance that the rest of her family will come to the Lord. If a boy in a family comes to the Lord, there's a 39% chance that the rest of the family will come to the Lord. If a dad comes to the Lord, we're in the 80, maybe 9% chance that the rest of the family comes to the Lord. Nobody's better. But I want you to understand, complementarianism means they complement. God designed the man to be the spiritual leader of the home and to lead. And I'm thankful for a godly mother. And I'm thankful for a godly father. But there was times that, you know, my, my mother led in some things maybe a little bit more. But God designed to have a mother and a father. And one of the biggest things about the father is he reflects the example of what we're talking about here. That he's a provider. That, that he guides and that he leads people to that. Well, I know, I'm not going to fool myself that in this crowd, there's all sorts of stories about a good father, a bad father, an absent father. And so what I want us to understand, it doesn't matter, you Christian, I'm talking to us as Christians, it doesn't matter if we've had a good father or a bad father or an absent father. Yes, one makes it easier to understand the good father, but we are in a society that needs to know that our father is a good father and he cares for him. You know, our house growing up, there was four of us kids. And we had a lot of different friends. And my mom was a good cook and pretty open to anybody coming in. And I remember, I won't name his name here because he might be listening. I don't know. But I remember uh, there were several times uh, had a friend from school. He wasn't that, that good of a friend, but it's just like he just kept hanging around the house. It's like, isn't it time for you to get out of here, you know, and leave, you know, that kind of thing? But he didn't have that at home. He didn't have that good father. And, and I'm sure I remember my dad, always whoever we brought home, would, would love on those individuals and would treat them with respect. And we didn't know what they had or what they didn't. And that's what I want us to understand as Christians. We reflect whether we have a good father or not. I didn't say your physical father. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord... You know God the Father is good. But how many times are we sharing that and inviting that person in and saying, he's been good to me, so therefore I'm going to be good to you. And you need to give a reason for the hope that you have. So many times when we help people out physically, we're just like, yeah. And, and guess what? There's a ton of organizations helping people out. But you need to give a reason for the hope that you have. I do this because... Christ loves me and he loves you. I do this because I was adopted by a good father and you can be adopted too. And this is what he's taught me. That's why I like the last part of the statement. He is fatherly in his attitude towards all men. And I, and I know the scripture, I couldn't find it, but it's in the New Testament. But he says his desire is that none should perish, but all to be saved. Heaven's big enough for everybody. He wants all to be come in. But boy, when those banquet doors are shut, they're shut. And the clock is ticking. And guys, it could be today. And I'm not trying to scare you. I, I get sick and tired. Everybody, I'm not against last day stuff and revelation study. But when you start getting exact and you start figuring everything out, and if you pick a date for me, I'll know to do a party on that day because Jesus ain't coming. But I want you to understand this. I totally and fully believe he could come today and everything will line up. He wants all to be saved and none to perish. And you've got a lost world out there looking at the economy, looking at the sickness, looking at the war. And you have a good father that you need to bring him into the house. 
And you need to stop having the attitude, well, I'm thankful I've got that. Sorry, you don't. Because I remember as a kid, it'd be like, when is this person going to leave? This is my house. I'll see you later. But sometimes we can do that with our lives. And I want, I want to help you with this, Christian. Why are we still here? Because if, if we're not here to point people to the good Father and that they can be adopted... Why has Christ not returned? Because he wants all to be saved and none to perish. His fatherly attitude to us, he has a fatherly attitude towards us, towards all men. We don't live in a universe of randomness or blind chance. And like I said, we're all created. We are, we are not junk. We are redeemable. Some of you are into flea markets and you know, my parents owned a flea market for a while, and you can call it junk or whatever, but I've been blessed to kind of be able to identify when something's junk and when it's not. Not everything. We all have our specialties. I know it's surprising for you, but sci-fi is one of my, or toys are one of my specialties to see if something's good or not, right? Stay away from my office. But, um, but the thing about it is, is, you know, the first thing my parents taught me when I look at anything is you turn it over and look at the bottom, see if there's a symbol. On toys, you need to look for a date and who the maker is. And guess what? On every human being, it says, I've been made by God with a soul. And we need to tell them there's a father that wants to adopt them. God provides a way to be his child through grace. No excuses. Acts 17 verses 30 and 31 says this. Therefore, I have overlooked the times of ignorance, but now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the men he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him, Jesus Christ, from the dead. There is no excuse for us not to share the way to Christ the way to be adopted, and there will be no excuse for anyone when Christ comes. We talked about this Wednesday night. I'm just going to say it. You're missing out. We're having a good time on Wednesday nights, and it is a crazy wild crowd. But we are, we are going in, and we are, you think, man, pastors talk about a lot of stuff. We are digging deep into this. We, and at surprise alert, we didn't even finish our first section. That's okay, because I'd rather us understand than not. Our biggest thing is how can a loving God send people to hell? People that haven't known. I'm gonna give you this. We gave that answer, and I'm not giving it to you because you need to come on Wednesday night. Yes, I'll give it to you. But here's the deal: if someone's looking for God, they're gonna find Him. God gives us His word that we talked about last week. God gives us believers that He tells us to go tell. But if somebody is looking for God, they will find Him, the one true God. It's been proven over and over again. And that's why this should scare the crud out of you, this section of Scripture, if you don't know Christ. But if you know Christ, it should give you urgency to be burdened that there's no excuses. And he can come at any time. To those who become the children of God through faith in Christ, it's our choice. But the Father is still calling out, and it's open adoption. Our task is to tell all people how they can know God as Father by, by going at, by by coming through faith through Christ. And so your last fill-in, knowing God is a good father means we determine to introduce others to the Father. My dad's crazy and I get my sarcasm from him and I can just look at him and we're both thinking the same thing. I'm glad we don't say it, okay? But in my case, 
anybody that met my father, he's not perfect, but they would be blessed by that. Well, my father's not perfect, and I know I'm not perfect, and spoiler alert, you're not either. But our Heavenly Father is. And He's good. And He wants to adopt them. And so today in this season, do you know God? And do you know Him as Father? And if you don't, when we have a time of invitation here in a moment, you can come forward and talk to me or talk to me after the service and, and say to Him, save me. I realize I can't save myself. I want to be a part of your family of God, and He will. But most of you know He is a good God, but you're not sharing it. And I'm going to tell you, we're in scary times. And I I was talking to a couple pastors the other day. It happens sometimes. It's a force of habit or whatever. But anyway, I was talking to them and I asked them the question, are you excited about these times or scared? And I wasn't because I'm tough, because I'm going to tell you right now, we haven't seen any of this stuff. Most of us, unless you're from the Depression era, you didn't grow up wondering, why are we out of this today? And the price of eggs, don't get me started, okay? But you see what I'm saying? And then the fact that COVID and pandemic and shutdowns and inflation and keep it going. And then you look at the fact of the amount of ministers that left the ministry through that. And guys, if you think your pastor's tough, I'm nothing. The only reason I'm still here is Jesus, period. Okay? And you guys are a great church. But I asked, are you excited about these times? And when I say excited, it's not yippy-skippy. And they said yes. And I'm going to give you your pastor's answer. No, no, mine was yes. Okay? Because I feel that we're in a time, I'm around more lost people than I've ever been before, not because I'm going to decide to go be with lost people. And, they act, and I'm building relationships with them. But I feel we're in a time where people want to be real. And then we can have real conversations. And we can be Paul at Mars Hill where they were looking at all these things to worship. All these false fathers. And they had a statue to the unknown God. And Paul said, I'm going to tell you who that is. I don't want you to be afraid, guys, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. And so are you leaning into the omni all powerful, all-loving, all-wise, all-knowing Father. You've got to see Him as a good Father for yourself. And then you, and then some of you are like, well, I'm glad that's not me. Why are you still here? All of you have a mission filled. And all of you have a calling. And we need to determine to tell others first to accept the good Father for ourselves, first to live with the good Father ourselves, to know that He's a good Father, and to tell others that He's a good Father. As we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation, where are you?